if you're starting out especially i hope this is helpful for you in in areas of things to think about and clarify for yourself as you start your e-commerce journey are you a product-based business maybe handmade or importing i do both I'm spending my own cash advertising on Facebook and Instagram to help grow my two Shopify stores from scratch that I started in 2020. So join me in this diary type podcast where I share real time challenges and wins as things happen day to day in real time because we often feel less alone in our e-commerce journey when sharing the challenges with someone else. If you're just starting out or growing your small online business, I think you'll find my experiences motivational as I share from my kitchen table in Adelaide, Australia. Brought to you by one of my e-commerce shops, theturtlejournal.com.au. Hi, welcome to Aussie e-commerce mum. My name is Rachel. This is episode number 36. Something I'm going to call it something like, how do you want to build this? Or how to start out as a beginner or what should you know before starting i really wanted to do an episode of some random bits and pieces and things i've learned from the last two years in e-commerce that's just my opinion and my perspective on ways you can grow in e-commerce and different options and things that are available to you particularly if you're starting out you might find this episode really helpful because there's so much information out there in e-commerce that's sort of the thing about maybe business in general is that there's like a hundred different ways of doing this and growing a business so it really depends on what suits you what suits your lifestyle and kind of what your interests are and what you're passionate about is to how you maybe want to grow in e-commerce or how you want to start out or how you want to change up your business and all that sort of stuff. All of these different little bits of things I want to talk to you about from notes I've kept for myself in the last two years of things that I have learned along the way and I've just put them all into one episode and I hope you find it valuable and encouraging for you. That's what I hope more than anything is that you find it an encouragement for where you're at uh, with e-commerce, maybe starting out or not even at the stage of starting out or having perhaps sold products in e-commerce and bits and pieces over years randomly like I had really before starting my two websites I currently have and not quite sure what to do next or how to make this work for you, you might find this episode helpful. The first thing I want to say from the outset is I believe you can sell anything. I really do. If you look around you where you are now, there is hundreds of products staring you in the face everywhere you look. And around the world, there are billions of them. Like there is so much stuff that makes this world function and all of it was made somewhere Uh, sold by someone then sold again probably and sold again and then sold again that eventually ended up to become part of your life or the lives of your friends and family so I don't know that there's many things that you can't sell I really think in e-commerce everything can be bought and sold multiple times so I guess what I'm saying is whatever it is you want to sell or what you would like to sell or start a website around you probably could Um, I don't know that there's many things that you probably can't build a business around. So I want to say that from the start, because particularly in 2020, e-commerce online and courses and YouTube videos and gurus and people who are really spooking, you know, how to build a business really quick and make, you know, thousands of dollars in your sleep, which was rampant in 2020, uh, leaned really heavily into the fact that the product was the be all and end all and to be successful you had to have the right product i'm not sure that's correct and if you're looking to build a long-term business it actually i don't think that's correct at all i think it totally depends on what it is you want to sell 
Um, I think that maybe is more correct if you're looking for something really viral or something just to sell quickly and then get out, you know, like just to sell, I don't know, some brand new viral Christmas decoration just in November this year and then you want to be done with it after that because no one wants it. You know, a bit like, I don't know, fidget spinners or loom bands, you know, all of those viral things. But if you're actually looking to get into this long term and if you're listening, you probably are or you maybe have already for years and are looking for ways to make it work, then I'm sure you can sell what it is you're trying to sell. I don't know that the product is the issue. I don't think there's a magic product or a magic solution to sell in the sense of growing a long-term business from scratch steadily and consistently that can support you and your family and something you probably love to sell too, which always helps because it makes it easier to sell it. Another thing I want to tell you too is I obviously have two websites I talk about a little bit. I have two Shopify websites. They're both in a similar niche of crafting, but one is easier to sell in the sense of one has a better conversion rate and I don't have to put as much effort into selling that product. So there are nuances to it. You know, like both of the websites I run are doing okay. Do you know, like I'm I check my numbers pretty regularly this year. I have to do an episode about that, but I have been profitable so far in 2023, which I'm really excited about because that was the goal for this year for me as starting out in you know my third year. But one is an easier sell. One is just more popular. One is something people are looking for more often online and so they find it more often. So the, the volume of products you sell or how easy maybe it is to convince someone to buy or um, how viral or how you know current or trending your products are certainly makes a difference into maybe how quickly you can grow or how easy it is for you or how little um, issues you run up against and convincing people it's a great idea to buy. That's definitely true. So although I'm saying you can probably sell anything, uh, there are some things that are probably easier to sell than other things. So both of those things would be true in my experience. Another thing I found to be true, and if you want to think about how you want to build your e-commerce business, this must be something to think about. How do you want to do this as far as finances go? Do you want your CPA or your cost per acquisition to be, um, you know, do you want to make a profit straight off the bat from your customers when they first purchase the first time? Do you want to break even with that first sale and just be, you know, uh, feel like it was successful just to get yourself in front of that customer, convince them to buy, and then you go ahead and nurture them with emails and social media um, over and over again over time to convince them and nurture them towards subsequent sales so that you make your profit as far as that particular customer is concerned more on their lifetime value. So the amount they spend in their lifetime with you or the lifetime relationship they have with you, whatever cycle that might be, they might hang about, I don't know, for four months or a year or 10 years. Or do you want to make money at the very start on the first time that customer purchases from you? There's actually two very different ways of building a business. They really are quite distinct. I think most people who are in e-commerce that I have seen or listened to or watched or learned from in a couple of years, in my experience anyway, seem to go one way or the other. They either want to just break even with that first customer or even lose money if they can afford to lose money. You might be selling handmade goods and you might have um, accessories or jewellery or 
soaps or candles that you take to markets on the weekend and you sell those and and then up the front obviously you want to be able to make money off that sale from that customer that comes to see you at your counter and says hey I'd love to buy that candle and you say sure that'd be lovely to buy my candle and you want to make some profit from that actual sale the first time the customer sees you so there's definitely two distinct ways so have a think for yourself which way you want to go because I have spent two years breaking even it was a partly deliberate choice because I was working and had an income I was happy to pay Facebook and Instagram the money to find customers for me for two years at the same time I probably also didn't know ways I could become profitable it wasn't clear to me yet because I, I was still new at it I still am new at this and I didn't have the time or focused uh, yeah time in my life to really sit down and nut out how I really could build this profitably if I had the time to focus on it so I definitely lent onto the side of breaking even with my CPA initially for my customers on their first purchase. And then over time in the back end, as they purchased again and again, one customer this week placed her 14th order. I was so thrilled. I saw her name, which I've obviously seen a few times. And it was just so touching. I, I sent her an email and I wrote her a little a note in her order to say thank you so much. So I've obviously become been able to be profitable with her on subsequent purchases but not the initial purchase that initial purchase I'm sure because it was a long time ago now would have cost me a lot of money through Facebook and Instagram advertising to acquire her as a customer so there's two different ways that's sort of what I'm trying to say I think it's really important to decide which way you want to go and you can jump between them I started off breaking even and um, now I'm, I'm you know I'm hoping it'd be great to be able to make a profit from somebody's initial purchase their first ever purchase not just their subsequent purchases so identifying areas to lean into and ways of measuring them as you go along in business and whether you're starting out this is totally so critical if you're starting out to start off from the beginning but wherever you're at in business and if you're far along the track than I am you'll know the importance of this for sure is to measure what you're doing with some sort of metrics some sort of benchmarks just to track stuff like just look back month from month to see how things have changed and also then identify areas that are worth doing more of. You know, sometimes we get a little bit, what's the word? I don't even know what the word is, but you know, if you're doing something and it's working, sometimes we just think to stop and try something new. Okay, that worked, worked past tense, like worked. Now what's next? Well, maybe the same thing is next. <laughs> maybe we should keep doing what worked. And I'm probably a bit guilty of this, but this year I'm being so deliberate that I need to stick to what's worked and then keep doing it. Like go back to it and structure it and schedule it and like do it again and again and again. Because with the consistency and leaning into what's actually working for you in your business is how we grow and grow with the least friction because we've already validated that idea, that experiment, that trial. And I'm all about experimenting. Like you should totally be learning and experimenting all the time. But when you do find something that seems to work for you, whatever worked means, whatever metrics you set around that, uh, for instance, um, Facebook Lives. Okay, I have an episode all about Facebook Lives. It's the episode just before this, number 35. I've identified that's worked for me now. I've done five Facebook Lives, so five weeks, and I've, I've had probably a dozen sales total. No, maybe more than that. I don't know, 16 or something. It's in the episode over five Facebook lives. It's taken me maybe two hours at most to plan each one each week. 
That's a no-brainer for me. That has been validated. That works. I'm happy with that as a metric and a measurement for me is successful. I'm going to keep doing it. I've identified for me that it's working. My reach is great. I'm getting such great reach on Facebook doing a live. So I'll keep doing it. So I need to not stop doing it and look for something next or new and just stick with it at least for, you know, several months and see how far I can take it and help it grow my business. But I only know that because I decided to try an experiment and then measure some sort of outcome that I had decided would would equal success for me in where I'm at. The next one I have is websites. Now, I actually had three really crappy websites before the two that I have currently. So I'd done three websites prior and none of them went very well. But that's a combination of things. I think um, the products were far too viral, though. One of them was only good for like Valentine's Day every year. So that was, I don't know, it was a bit of a fizzle, that one. Another one was far too, uh, far too niche in the sense that it was far too expensive to find those customers because they were very expensive customers and I, and I, I didn't want to have to spend that money on Facebook and Instagram to seek those customers out. I've talked about that before with audiences on Facebook and Instagram. The cost of those audiences depends on a few different things, but one of the things that can depend on is how competitive that audience is. And the audience I was trying to target was eco-friendly. That's massively popular and popular at the moment for sure and has been for a few years and probably will continue to be, but it's a very expensive audience on Facebook to target and advertise to. And another website, now I've completely forgotten what it was. It was car accessories, I think. I can't even remember. But all of those three websites I started out and then closed after a few months. Um, But they were a massive learning experience. They were like a little sandpit or a playground for me to actually get some skills into how I could do this properly and learn all about it. So I don't regret those three websites at all. And I don't regret the cost and the money it cost me to learn those things because you've got to learn, like you have to learn these. Yeah, these are skills. You need to learn. (laughs) E-commerce is a skill. Advertising is a skill and building a business is a skill. And I'm trying to learn about all three of those things. So I don't regret those three websites, but I will say that I obviously didn't start out with the two I have now. I had three beforehand that were tests and playgrounds and trials that didn't go well at all and cost me probably a bit of money, but that's what I learned along the way. So it was the price for my learning, you know, like a, instead of paying for a course, I just jumped in myself and started it and learned myself. So I would encourage you to do that for sure. Just give it a whirl and see what happens. My next little tip is not to get caught up or frozen or paralyzed or procrastinate on really tiny decisions. And one tiny decision that springs to mind is the color of your add to cart button. And this springs to mind because it's a bit of a cliche or a bit of a meme in the e-commerce world about what color is your add to cart button? Maybe change the color of your add to cart button as a way of like suddenly magically increasing your conversion rate or something ridiculous like that. So don't get caught up in those tiny details. They are so energy sucking and a waste of time to worry about tiny things like that when other things are far more important. The color of the add to cart button on your website makes no difference at all if only five people are coming to your website every day. Like no difference whatsoever. And I um, would even argue that Facebook ads or tweaking your audience on Facebook is possibly also not worth it either in this day and age. Facebook has got a much better way of targeting people for themselves now post iOS, you know, Apple's privacy update back in 2021 
that the audience you actually target on Facebook can be far more broad and generic than it used to be to get success. So even fiddling around in Facebook ads and tweaking your audience, you know, tiny different changes of add this tiny little audience or take this one out or make an exclusion here or there, I think is a bit of a waste of time. I think just create something fairly broad and let Facebook find those people for you using their own data on the platform they have, uh, rather than trying to use data that is, is hidden to us now. Uh, so what's my point? My point about that is about the tiny decisions. Do you know what? I actually had a an add-on on my website. I had several add-ons. I was paying a small fortune for them in the last couple of years with things like a countdown clock and a live view, an add to cart. What's the word? Sticky add to cart. I actually loved sticky add to cart. I will put that back on at some point when I want to spend the money on it. And a couple of other little tweaks and things I had on there to increase my conversion rate. Yeah, it probably did work. It probably did increase my conversion rate, but I couldn't really see it increasing my conversion rate enough for me to make the cost worthwhile. It was $75 Australian every month. And I have two websites. So it was $150 Australian every month for these website add-ons that were meant to help increase my conversion rate. And they probably were, but I just really couldn't see. I couldn't see the cash. I couldn't see how they were really helping me that much. So I've turned them off. I've sort of got rid of all those add-ons. I think I probably did that maybe two and a half months ago for the start of 2023. And I just want to see how I go. I've been looking at my metrics, my conversion rate compared to last year. All the data I'm measuring this year, I'm comparing it back to the same time last year to when I had these add-ons and other, you know, I was paying more on Facebook and Instagram at the same time last year to really see what difference, you know, I am having this year. Am I doing worse in the same time last year? Am I doing better? Before I go ahead and start paying money for these things again, what is critical about this point is what stage of business are you actually at? If you are brand new and haven't started, I don't think it's worth your while spending money on fancy add-ons to your website to increase conversion. I don't think it is. I think you need to get people to your website first. I think you need to spend money on Facebook and Instagram advertising. I think you need to do a heap of organic social or whatever else it is you decide to do um, in advertising your business. I think you need to do that first and spend your money and time there and get the volume of people up that even come to your website before you look at trying to tweak the way your website works and increase the conversion rate once they get there. So I probably will get to that point again where I'm going to explore those things. But at the moment, I'm pretty happy with my conversion rate where it's at. And I don't really want to spend the $150 a month it's probably going to cost me to add all of these things back in that I was paying for the last two years. So what stage of business are you at? Are you at the stage where you really think this is going to be worth your money to worry about things like the color of your add to cart button or countdown timers or sticky add to carts or live view or website upsell or in cart upsells and all the other cool stuff you can do, which I love because they are very cool. But is it really worth your while at the moment where you're at? And maybe it is, but possibly if you are brand new, I would say it probably is not. My next thing is who are your customers? Where did you find them? How do you find them? How do you talk to them? Where do you talk to them? And how do you know your products resonate with them? So where are your customers? Who are your customers? This is important to, I think it's important to clarify from the outset, but then be a little bit loose and flexible with it. I think from the outset, you need to decide with your brand and with your business who you're trying to target 
who your ideal customer probably is and where they live. So my ideal customers are probably my age or a bit older and mostly they're on Facebook, a little bit on Instagram too, but definitely on Facebook. So I know that. But at the same time, I know that because I've seen that in the data as well over two years. So I can also see from my sales and my demographics, that's also proven to be who my customers are. But I didn't set out to target just those people from the beginning. And it was a little bit, I did slightly because you have to have some sort of messaging, obviously. You need to sort of talk to a particular group of, you know, of people or a particular customer from the beginning. But then you need to gauge the response you get and also gauge your metrics and your feedback of actually who does come back and put their hand up and say, oh, yeah, I'd love to buy that. So it's both. You need to decide who your customer is, who your brand is for, because it's for someone and it's not for others. But then you also need to look at the feedback you get at markets, in person, online, your friends and family, who actually parts with their money to buy your stuff. And then you need to validate that over a bit of time with enough people to think, oh, hang on a minute, maybe my customer is younger than I thought. Oh, hang on a minute. Maybe my customers are on TikTok and not on Facebook. Oh, hang on a minute. Maybe my customers only shop in person and are at all the fancy craft fairs. Oh, hang on a minute. Maybe my customers love Instagram and live their life through Instagram and haven't opened Facebook in five years. Do you see what I mean? You need to seek out your customer to begin with in some fashion, some structured way. But then you also need to be a little flexible with that and actually find out who they are based on the feedback you get from sales and comments on social media and comments in person and who's actually interested in your products after the fact. And then you need to move a little bit and pivot and adjust a little bit to make sure those things align. Are you running a business or are you running a hobby? Uh, You could probably do both and neither is right or wrong, but I'm in this to run a business. I'm in this to build a business. So, you know, doing something like a Facebook Live, yeah, it's scary, but most of my competitors aren't doing it. So I'm keen to because it'll make me stand out and I'm keen to lean into things that are scary because that's how I know I can grow. And you know what? There'll be something else new in 12 months time that is just as scary. So whatever you're trying to build, if you're trying to build a business, whatever is scary or you're like, oh, yeah, but I don't know that I'm good at that or I don't know I can do that. I say just get over it and try it and give it a whirl because in three months time or 12 months time, you're going to have a whole new set of challenges and a whole new set, a whole new list of things that are scary that you need to try to grow again. So are you in a business or are you a hobby? And like I said, neither is right or wrong, but why are you doing this? Like, what is your outcome? What are you trying to do? What are you trying to build? And in which case, if something is scary, that is like the uh, worst reason not to do it. (laughs) If there are other reasons why you shouldn't do something just other than it's scary, sure, validate those reasons and then don't do something. But just because it's scary is certainly not a reason to, to not do something when you're trying to build a business. You truly need to get comfortable and excited about trying new and scary things. Otherwise, it is just a hobby and not a business. And you're going to look back in one year's time and be totally comfortable with the scary thing you started. So you might as well just start it today. That's my advice. And my next thing is the type of platform you want to sell on if you're selling online. So where are you going to do your marketing? How are people going to find you? Do you want to be leaning into SEO and Google? Do you want to do Facebook and Instagram ads? Do you want to just do organic social on Instagram? Do you want to do TikTok organic or paid and just do that to try and grow your audience? 
Do you want to be selling on a marketplace? Do you know, like Amazon, Etsy or eBay? Because that's still e-commerce too, of course. But that comes with different pros and cons and having your own Shopify website, which I do, which means I need to control my own traffic, which means I'm responsible for advertising. If you sell on a marketplace, which I, FYI, I would like to be on Amazon at some point this year, just probably with my best selling product, just so people can get amazing, you know, fast shipping. But then they have their own marketing building like those platforms have their own audiences so the skills are not on me to be great at marketing necessarily or advertising in the same way that it is with my two Shopify websites where I'm solely responsible for getting people to find those websites and to come to the website to purchase the other platforms like a marketplace have their own audiences built in so you need a different set of skills to be successful on those platforms then arguably if you sell on Shopify and need to drive your own traffic. Do you want to be at in-person craft fairs or markets and all that sort of stuff? So all of these things need deciding and they're all pros and cons. Each of them has their pros and cons to how to grow your business and how to reach your customers and potential customers, how to get your name out there and how to get seen. Each of those platforms and ways or avenues of being able to grow your e-commerce store have their pros and cons. I am on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube Shorts and TikTok. But I don't have a different strategy for each at the moment because, I, well, you know what, to be honest, I probably shouldn't be on all four. I'm probably spreading myself far too thin. Having said that out loud, that's probably correct. But I just duplicate all my content. So I just share it to each of those platforms at the moment. And I get very little traction on TikTok. I'm not that age. I'm not that demographic. I don't know enough about it. I don't live in TikTok world to create content. I obviously I'm on there to consume content, but I'm not great at TikTok. But um, Facebook and Instagram would be where I get my most traction. And Google through SEO and through blog posts and things like that, for sure. Um, looking at my Google Analytics, I can see that that is helping me too. So all of that to say, I guess, I guess decide where you want to direct your energy online and it kind of needs to match up with your customers too. So it's a little bit like one of my previous points. You can start out in a certain direction, but as you start to learn who your customers are, let that validate for you and push you in the direction of where you should be showing up online. For instance, I know I should probably be showing up online more on YouTube based on my demographics and what they're up to and where they spend their time. A lot of them are spending a lot of time on YouTube and they're on Facebook. So I'm on Facebook a lot now, heavily on Facebook. But they're also on on YouTube a lot and I don't really show up a lot on YouTube. So that's something I probably need to look at for myself down the track. I know that's probably reflective of my demographic and my sort of ideal customer and their interests and what they do. So what about you? Where are your customers based on their age and their interests? Where are they likely to be hanging out? And that's where you should be. So I have a few podcast episodes I want to suggest you go and listen to all around these different little snippets of ideas and things I've learned the last two years. And they are episode 29, which is about strategy and starting to put together your strategy for your e-commerce business, what it is you think you should be doing and identifying that for yourself. So that's episode 29. Another one is episode 32 about getting more sales this year. So some ideas and how to go about expecting to grow and to get more sales in 2023. 
Episode 25 is about making decisions. This is a great episode about, you know, trying not to get the shiny object syndrome and heading off in every little direction that that pops into your mind or everything you see online that you want to try. But also it's an episode about, you know, encouraging you to make decisions fast. So don't, don't procrastinate, just make a decision and move forward. So that's episode 25. Episode 19 is called How Soon to Expect a Sale. This is a great episode if you're just stuck, you haven't had a sale, you don't know how to get them, you know, you don't feel like you've got enough sales or people aren't buying from you quick enough, then I'd suggest you listen to episode 19. And then also episode 15, which is my favorite podcast. So episode 15, I just shared the podcasts that I listen to often and why I love them. I trust these people have these podcasts and these businesses. So you might also find it helpful to check out some of my favorite podcasts too. All of this stuff I talk to you about on the podcast is is actual things I'm doing day to day that I have done in my businesses that I continue to do, that I continue to struggle with, that I'm continuing to learn and grow about. So I'm not sort of giving you any sort of just, you know, skimming the surface of ideas or tips or tricks or strategy like this is all I'm happy to answer any question like I'm not gonna uh, not answer a question because it's you know too valuable and you need to pay money for or something like that like the podcast is what it is I'm happy to share anything and everything I have learned about e-commerce and that I'm learning every day about growing a business I absolutely have more like specialized help I can speak to you one-on-one you can find that information through my website aussieecommercemum.com.au but that's not the purpose of this podcast this is the total DIY type stuff you can do yourself and explore and experiment like I've done to grow my businesses so far I'm part of a an inner circle or a mastermind group now after two years I'm paying for that support which has been hugely valuable but that's by no means a way to start out I certainly don't think that's necessary from the beginning if you want to do this from scratch on your own like this podcast is the best I've got to offer you in my expertise and skills and knowledge to this date two years in but you can of course contact me through my website for one-on-one help too if you really want that we'll be absolutely happy to help you so I hope this has been helpful this podcast of some random bits and pieces of, of like I said notes that I've kept in two years of some random tips and tricks that I put together an episode for you of things I have learned in two years and I'll have a brand new list I'm sure in two more years time of things if you're starting out especially I hope this is helpful for you in in areas of things to think about and clarify for yourself as you start your e-commerce journey so thank you so much for joining me I hope my diary style podcast has been an encouragement for you as we spent this time together in sharing some real-time challenges and wins of growing a product business head to my website you can send me an email i'd love to hear from you and check out some other podcast episode too i'll see you next time you can find me at aussieecommercemum.com.au so i'll see you next time keep learning